Welcome to the Bob Harden Show, bringing you news and commentary to keep you informed and enjoying life on the Paradise Coast. And now, here's your host, Bob Harden. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company. They do great work, and you can find out more and give them a call. The website is johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. We have a great show lined up for you today, including special guest Keith Flaw. Keith is the co-founder of the Florida Citizens Alliance. We'll visit with uh, Michael Cannon. He is the director of health policy studies at the uh, Cato Institute. Seton Motley is the founder and president of Less Government. And when the former mayor of Naples, always entertaining and informative, Bill Barnett will be joining us as well. It is April the 21st, and on this day in 1777, British troops under the command of General William Tryon attacked the town of Danbury, Connecticut, and began destroying everything in sight. Facing little, if any, opposition from the Patriot forces, the British went on a rampage, setting fire to homes, farmhouses, and storehouses more than 1,500 tents. The British destruction continued for nearly a week before word of it reached Continental Army leaders, including General Benedict Arnold, who was stationed in nearby New Haven. Along with uh, General David Worcester and General Gold Silliman, Arnold led a contingent of more than 500 American troops in a surprise attack on the British forces as they began withdrawing from Danbury. Although they prevented the complete destruction of Danbury, the outnumbered American troops were unable to stop the British retreat. The British continued marching through Ridgefield, Connecticut, en route to their ships anchored in Long Island Sound. General Worcester was hit with a musket ball during the action, and he died on May the 2nd. Uh, General Arnold survived and notoriously became a traitor to his nation, plotting to turn over West Point in, in, at the Hudson River in the British, to the British in 1780. Uh, didn't feel like he was getting the respect he deserved, so he became a traitor. General Gold Silliman also survived, but two years later was kidnapped from his home and imprisoned by a gang of local loyalists. Silliman's wife, Mary Silliman, kept a detailed diary of her experiences during the Revolution of, uh, War. Accounts of her life, General uh, Gold Silliman's own loyalist neighbors, not British redcoats or foreign mercenaries, kidnapped him. Mary Silliman's diary also demonstrates the ways in which the war affected all colonists, including non-combatants, pregnant mothers, and farm wives like Mary. On her own, Mary Silliman managed to run her family farm, flee attacking from a, a British army, and negotiate her husband's release from the loyalist captors. She's an amazing woman, uh, and again, just demonstrating how it was neighbor against neighbor in many cases. Nobody knew who was really a loyalist and who was a uh, uh, revolutionary uh, during the Revolutionary War times. Interesting times, indeed. Thank God we won. Well, yesterday, the Florida Senate passed legislation to end Disney's, Disney's special tax and governing jurisdiction. The Senate passed uh, SC4C. Uh, which is the legislation that would dissolve the Reedy Creek Improvement District, otherwise known as the Special Tax and Governing Jurisdiction for the Walt Disney World Resort. The legislation passed with 23 votes in favor of the bill and 16 against. The Florida legislature authorized the Special District in 1967 to boost economic development and tourism. However, Governor Ron DeSantis and Florida Republicans proposed the legislation to eliminate the Special District after Disney had continued to oppose its Santa's parental rights and education bill and also pushed to incorporate many, many uh, LGBTQIA characters in its stories. DeSantis said state lawmakers would consider proposal this week to strip Disney's special district. Florida State Representative Randy Fine followed quickly in suit to uh, propose the legislation to eliminate the corporate welfare for Disney. The Florida State House will likely take up the legislation today. The Florida uh, House State Affairs Committee passed it favorably out of committee yesterday. DeSantis moved to eliminate the special tax jurisdiction follows after the megacorporation started moving thousands of its employees to more business-friendly state of Florida. Notwithstanding any independent, here's the uh, uh, how how it reads. Notwithstanding any independent special district established prior to November 5th, 1968, is dissolved effective June 1st, 2023. The legislation reads. Uh, 
pretty interesting. Yeah, obviously Disney gets a great deal because uh, they're not paying for state government. They're providing their own services, trash, uh, police, whatever it might be, and they can do it on their own dime and therefore avoid some of the other government costs involved in participating in Florida state government. Well, that's going to go away uh, thanks to their very woke approach. As Donald Trump says, everything woke turns to, and you can fill in the blank, you know what it turns to. And by the way, uh, Florida State Senate voted 24 to 15 to pass the congressional map favored by Governor Ron DeSantis. Uh, the Florida House is going to vote next, I think, probably today. Those under 18 years of age should not be allowed to receive any form of gender-affirming care that Florida Departments of Health said on Wednesday, con contradicting a recent Health and Human Services Department fact sheet. The state health department issued a new guidance stressing that minors should not be permitted to medications such as puberty blockers and hormones, nor social gen gender transition like name or pronoun changes. Instead, Florida insisted that the only treatment of gender, gender dysphoria for minors should be professional counseling and social support from peers and family that do not include encouraging them to change their name or pronouns or wear gender-affirming clothing. The guidance was in direct contrast to a fact sheet issued by the Health and Human Services that said gender-affirming care improves the mental health and overall well-being of gender-diverse children and adolescents. No, I'm not kidding. They really uh, issued said that. Goes bizarre. General uh, Surgeon General uh, Joseph Lopato said in his news release that the federal government's medical establishment releasing guidance failing at the most basic level of academic rigor shows that there was never uh, this was never about health care. It was about injecting political ideology into the health of our children. He's so right about that. He added that children experiencing gender dysphoria should be supported by family and seek counseling, not push into their irreversible decision before they reach the age of 18. Florida's Health Department emphasized it is its guidance that minors should not be permitted to access gender-affirming care because the brain's prefrontal cortex, the section that carries out executive functions such as decision-making, is not fully developed until a person is 25 years of age. I think we all know that based on the stupid things that we may have done as kids. The state guidance also stated that giving gender-affirming medical treatments to those under 18 years of age boosts the risk of cardiovascular disease, osteoporosis, infertility, increased cancer risk, and thrombosis. Good decision by the governor as well as uh, Joe Lopato, Dr. Joseph Lopato. hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. Anyhow, again, one good decision after another here in the state of Florida. We're so grateful for the firewall that is the local legislature, state legislature, and governor, and now Joseph Lopato in his position as Surgeon General of Florida. Well, Delta Airlines said on Wednesday it plans to restore flight privileges to about 2,000 customers who were barred from flights after failing to comply with mask rules. The Biden administration on Monday said it would uh, no longer enforce a U.S. mask mandate on public transportation and airlines after a federal judge struck down the directive as in unlawful. Uh, Atlanta-based uh, Delta uh, will restore passengers only after each case is reviewed and each customer demonstrates an understanding of their expected behavior when flying with us. Any further disregard for policies that keep us safe will result in placement on Delta's permanent no-fly list. The charge will, uh, change will not impact Delta's separate list of about 1,000 people who demonstrated egregious behavior and are already on the permanent no-fly list. Delta's announcements follows a similar decision by United Airlines on Tuesday to allow some of the roughly 1,000 people who have been banned for not wearing masks to return to flights on case-by-case -case basis. Chicago-based uh, United said that those people would be allowed to return to flights after ensuring their commitment to follow all crew member instructions on board. Well, it's good for business, isn't it? Allow these people wearing a mask didn't do any good in the first place, so let's uh, go ahead and reinstate them as people who can patronize uh, the business. The Justice Department said on Wednesday it plans to appeal the order that uh, forced the government to halt enforcement of mask mandates. The Federal Aviation Administration said separately that on Wednesday it plans to make a zero-tolerance policy for unruly passengers adopted in January 2021. Make it permanent. So no more masks in public transportation right now. However, 
Of course, that's all being appealed by the Justice Department. President Joe Biden sided with the Centers for Disease Control recommendation by wearing a mask Tuesday on his flight on Air Force One to New Hampshire. The president chose to wear a mask even though a federal judge on Monday overturned the mask mandate extended by CDC, citing the ongoing coronavirus pandemic as a reason. During on transit on today's trip, masking will be required in line with CDC guidance, the White House aide told reporters traveling with the president. The White House said Monday that it was disappointed in Mizell's, Mizell being the uh, judge in his ruling, the Florida uh, judge, federal judge. Well, the Justice Department is filing an appeal to seeking to overturn a judge's order that voided the mask mandate. Uh, the notes came minutes after the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention asked the Justice Department to appeal the decision handed down by federal judge uh, Mizell earlier this week. A notice of appeal was filed in federal court in Tampa. The CDC said in a statement Wednesday that it's continuing assessment at this time. An order requiring masking in order in indoor transportation corridor remains necessary for public health. Well, that is bogus. Right now, each individual should make his own decision based his own, on his own health. They can get N95 masks if they're very concerned about a repressed or suppressed immune system. Otherwise, people should go about their business. Haven't they learned anything at the CDC at this point? They are just absolutely tone deaf, in my opinion. Well, four times as much fentanyl is flowing uh, across the United States border under President Joe Biden compared to two years prior when former President Trump was in office. During the launch of Representatives Darrell Issa and Ken Calvert's Congressional Caucus dedicated to the fentanyl crisis, U.S. Border Patrol agent Mark Dunbar of the Marietta Station in Southern California noted that the level of fentanyl seizures has skyrocketed in the last year. Across sectors, we're seeing the amount of fentanyl coming across the border almost doubling, Dunbar said. And while we're seeing it coming across is equal to the amount of Americans who are dying from it in the U.S. In fiscal year 2019, about 2,800 pounds of fentanyl was seized at the border. The following year, the fall capped out at 4,800 pounds. By fiscal year 2021, which represents most of Biden's first year in office, fentanyl seizures skyrocketed to 11,200 pounds. Already in fiscal year 2022, that's about 5,300 pounds of fentanyl that have been seized at the border. The figure indicates that the fentanyl seizures under Biden last year alone have quadrupled. And that, quite frankly, is that's how the cartels are making money. And unfortunately, this, <laughs> this amount of fentanyl is enough to kill every human being in the United States. It's lethal stuff. They're making money on it. And it all is uh, traced back to the uh, open border uh, between Mexico and the United States. President's breaking the law. This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. I hope you'll visit johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. Coming up, Keith Law, co-founder of the Florida Citizens Alliance. That and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. I'm Bob Harden, the host of The Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time. Lulabee's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulabees.com and stop by Lulabee's Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m. seven days a week. Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulabee's Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time.
Collier County Sheriff Kevin Rambaugh says the number one reason the elderly become victims is isolation. The Collier Senior Center goes a long way in keeping seniors connected with the community and with each other. The Collier Senior Center, located at 4898 Coronado Parkway in Golden Gate, provides comprehensive information regarding services and resources that affect the quality of life of older adults and their caregivers in Collier County, empowering them to maintain independent and meaningful lives. Here's Esther Lully, director of Collier Senior Center. Everyone, every senior is welcome. There's diversity there. It's vibrant. It's a caring atmosphere. So there's a reason we offer the services and programs that we do. We want to help enrich the lives of senior members and provide support to their caregivers. Want to find out more? Visit CollierSeniorCenter.org. That's CollierSeniorCenter.org. Or call the Collier Senior Center at 239-252-4541. That's 252 252- 4541. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. I want to just reinforce the message from the Collier Senior Center. So important as people are starting to leave the snowbirds. Here on the Paradise Coast, uh, there are a lot of lonely folks, especially as they age. And uh, Collier Senior Center is a great resource for just a number of reasons. So I hope you'll, if you know somebody who's in that situation, who's lonely, who's uh, being left alone, uh, introduce them to the Collier Senior Center. It's a great organization. Coming up, we're going to visit with Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. Right now, we have with us Keith Flaw. Keith is the co-founder of the Florida Citizens Alliance. Keith, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, good morning, Bob. Good mo- happy to be with you. Thank you, Keith. Tell us about the Florida Citizens Alliance. Uh, the Florida Citizens Alliance is a coalition of uh, well over 100 groups now and uh, over 110,000 people across the state of Florida. And we focus... Uh, exclusively on K through 12 education. Um, to us, that means uh, championing um, homeschooling, champion uh, the various vouchers that we have in Florida, fighting critical race theory, fighting the pornography that's in our schools. Um, so we get involved in all those kinds of issues, uh, spend a fair amount of time up in Tallahassee. Yeah. Uh, just because it's fun, no pun intended. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, we've... Uh, uh, we've become a, rec- a respected resource uh, for a lot of parents across the state. Well, I'll say so, and I would say the the proof of the pudding's in the tasting. You've had major influence on everything from Common Core to with the uh, Commissioner of Education, the Governor's Office, the State Legislature. Just really applaud the the results of your efforts uh, from the Florida Citizens Alliance. I mentioned the uh, the website is goflca.com, goflca.com. Well, and just proof of the pudding again, uh, the Florida uh, gov- uh, the Florida Department of Education has banned, I think it was 54 books or 47 books uh, that are being used in uh, uh, grades, I think about uh, K through tw- five or seven or something like that. Uh, any yeah. update on that? Uh, yeah. The, um Every year, the Department of Education has a process by which uh, for different subject matters. And this year, it happens to be math. Uh, So they go through a process where they go out to all the big publishers and invite them to bid against both our standards uh, and, um, uh, well, basically against our standards. Mm -hmm. And uh, so last Friday, uh, they announced that they were not going to approve. So they rejected 47 Uh, books from a number of different publishers based on the fact that they contained uh, social-emotional learning, critical race theory, and unacceptable um, content relative to the best standards. So um, that has a profound impact across the state. Uh, A lot of uh, school districts, and and that includes Collier County, uh, were in the process of uh, adopting a bunch of those books. And so now they're uh, I mean, I just heard last night that Broward had to stop their adoption process. Uh, we're trying to figure out what Collier County is going to do. Um, back on March 8th, uh, they tried to adopt them, and they had their process was screwy. So they had to redo it on March 29th. And they adopted uh, a bunch of uh, math books and some ELA uh, grades 6 through 12 books. It turns out that of the 13 math books that they adopted, 
um, back on March 29th. Uh, five of them are on the list, the rejection list for the Department of Education. See, that's so surprising because you read the Naples Daily News and it's good news. None of the list, none of the books on the uh, uh, on the list from the state that are not are, that are prohibited are being used in Collier and Lee counties. I mean, what's going on with that? Well, I mean, the, I, I would expect the Naples Daily News to have to re, uh, print a retraction. Um, part of the adoption from Collier County was uh, McGraw Hill grades one through five math, and they're all all five grades were. Uh, were rejected by the Department of Education example. A number of books by Savas, uh, uh, which used to be, and your listeners may remember a company called Pearson International. Sure. Um, they took on, uh, they were very involved in Common Core and they took so much heat, they decided about a year and a half ago to change their name to Savas. So it's the same company uh, with a different uh, name. Huh. And uh, they were also, a number of their books were on the list. So. So we're waiting for some guidance from the uh, from the uh, Collier County School District. Um, when they approved that list back on uh, March 29th, it gave uh, residents 30 days uh, to review those books and raise any objections. And we have uh, uh, at least nine or ten uh, volunteers who are in the process of reading those materials and documenting any objections. And our objections are due by next, um, by the 28th of April, which is just around the corner next week. And so uh, we're trying to figure out what they're going to do. My guess is uh, they'll continue forward with the ELA books. And I can come back to that because that's what I'm reviewing. Uh, But that they will probably have to uh, restart their process uh, on on the math. Uh, We'll see. We've had some dialogue with uh, Jen Mitchell, and she's indi- who's the chairwoman of the school board, and she's uh, indicated that the school board will not uh, try to adopt books that are on the rejection list. But we don't have any official guidance, so that's where we are. Yeah, now. so I mean, it would be uh, foolhardy, wouldn't it, be on the part of the school board to to keep the books that have been rejected by the Department of Education in the state of Florida? So it seems to me that should lighten your load in terms of. Re- and by the way. By the way, how could possibly how could a math book be rejected because of content? <laughs> it's, it just makes no sense. Yeah, I hear it all the time from parents. How, how can they screw up math? But it's so easy for them to do so because, and I think I shared a, an example with you a couple of weeks ago. What they're doing is in the math problems, uh, they're stating the problems uh, with content that uh, that pushes social emotional learning and uh, uh. equity, diversion, inclusion, uh, race, um, and so when you think about uh, how do they how they do that, and one of the examples I used on your show earlier is uh, students asked to solve a problem. If you have five black kids in a class, nine Hispanics and thirteen whites, uh, how, uh, what's the percentage of minorities in the class? Well, that's a racist question. It's dividing. It's divisive. Yeah. And so th- those types of how many how many are... should apologize for their existence? <laughs> yeah. So that's, being... the way that, that's that's the way they're doing it. Uh, and these companies um, are woke. Um, every one of them are woke. Uh, the question is uh, whether or not they will try to clean up their content to satisfy the new best standards uh, right, personally i don't think they can it's part of their dna yeah so um i think it's a uh, it's kind of a fool's errand on the part of anyone to think that these pu- uh, woke publishers are ever going to clean up their act but um you know the I guess time will tell. But well, the I mean, they, they, they got education have certainly gone after him. So I'm delighted to see that. Well, I mean, sooner or later, the uh, publishers are going to have to decide if they want to make money or not, because if they continue to have the content rejected, that means lots of uh, material has to be thrown out and they have to start over again. I mean, this is what's happening to Disney right now. My goodness, they're. As uh, Donald Trump said, everything <laughs> everything that's woke turns to crap. He used a different word, but uh, <laughs> it's just refreshing to see now how the uh, worm is turning, so to speak. Yeah, I just saw this morning uh, uh, that the you know the the, the Florida legislature is in special session over the redistricting, but they've uh, 
Also, the governors expanded their mission. And yesterday, the Senate, which is the more liberal of the two bodies, uh, voted to revoke uh, some of the the uh, special uh, tax status for Disney. And it's expected to go to the House today, which is, um, you know, much more uh, conservative aligned. So with the Senate passing that, I would expect the House to do that today. Uh, they so that's a, that's an example of, of how these woke companies, um, you know, just lost their soul. I don't know how else to say Yeah, well, they, you know, who would take their kid to Disney if they're concerned? <laughs> My goodness, talk about smearing your own brand. It makes absolutely no sense whatsoever. Keith, I just genuinely appreciate your commentary here on the show. Not only your commentary, though, but also your hard work here in Florida to improve public education. Just genuinely appreciate everything that you're doing. Thanks so much for joining us. Uh, thank you, Bob. Have a great week. You as well. Thank you. All right, coming up, we're going to visit with Michael Cannon. He is Director of Health Policy Studies at the Cato Institute. That and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Do you suffer with chronic pain and discomfort? After back surgery, I had painful tendons and muscles and difficulty standing upright. On a referral, I visited Dr. Alec at I Am Designed to Heal, Naples Only Vitality and Longevity Practice, where acupuncture, medical massage, energy healing, and integrative holistic medicine are harmonized to create a -a one-of-a-kind restorative experience. After only two visits, my pain began to dissipate and I could stand and walk more upright. It was amazing. I plan to continue my treatments to enhance my sense of well-being. Don't suffer needlessly with discomfort and pain. Improve your quality of life. See for yourself and make an appointment by visiting the website IamDesignedToHeal.com. That's IamDesignedToHeal.com or you can call or text Dr. Alec at 239-322-3817. That's 322-3817. Visit IamDesignedToHeal.com for an amazing, one-of-a-kind, restorative experience. Do you have questions about your retirement? Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, you'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239-325-1041. Office is located at 9015 Stratistel Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The Confident Retirement Approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host... Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Choice Social. Choice Social is a new, refreshing social networking platform, and you can find out more and download the app by visiting the website choicesocial.us. Coming up, we're going to visit with Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. Right now, we have with us Michael Cannon. Michael is the director of health policy studies at the Cato Institute. Michael, thank you so much for joining us. Great to be here, Bob. Happy Thursday. Happy Thursday, Michael. Tell us about the Cato Institute. The Cato Institute is a think tank in Washington, D.C. We've been around 45 years now, and our mission is to promote individual liberty in all areas of human endeavor, which means we are pushing for individual liberty, liberty government, free markets, and peace in the international sphere. And basically what that means is we want you to be able to live your life however you want, as long as you respect the equal rights of others to do the same. You wouldn't think that would be controversial, but wow, Washington, D.C., that's very a very controversial statement. It is indeed. Well, thank you, Michael, for that. And keep up the good work for everybody at the Cato Institute. So, uh, Michael, yesterday, the, uh, uh, I guess no, this week, I should say, uh, uh, the uh, Justice Mizell decided to overturn the CDC's requirement for masks. They wanted to keep it uh, going for another couple of weeks on public transportation. 
And uh, the president said, well, I guess people are going to have to make up their own minds about uh, using masks. And then uh, they decided, well, they're going to ask the DOJ, Department of Justice, to challenge uh, this judge's decision. And uh, they're moving forward with that. What are your thoughts? My thoughts are, I wish they had done this before I came back from California last week. <laughs> I wouldn't have had to wear a mask on, on the plane. Wouldn't I have had to tell my kids to wear a mask on the plane? Oh. I don't mean to make light of that because a lot of people get very scared when they see unmasked passengers on the plane. Some of those folks are immunocompromised. Uh, others are very concerned for the, I mean, and maybe have you know more faith than others do in the ability of masks to reduce transmission. But wearing a mask is a burden. And, and there is room to question how effective mask wearing is on uh, airplanes, for example, and so there, it's reasonable that at times wearing a mask on an airplane is the right thing to do. And, and the costs uh, or the benefits would justify the cost of doing so. Uh, the question is, as always, who decides whether you're going to have to wear a mask on an airplane? Is it going to be you? Is it going to be the airlines? Or is it going to be the government? And what the federal judge in Florida said uh, uh, in recent days is, the government doesn't have the authority to do this, at least not under existing law. The Congress gave the CDC the authority to impose requirements like this in order to impose requirements like this during public health emergencies, mm -hmm. uh, but not exactly this requirement. The court said that the, the Congress gave the CDC specific powers, and this requirement lies outside of those powers. Yep. Well, quite so the, the Congress could require masks on airplanes tomorrow, but the court said the, the government has to follow the rules if it wants to do that, and it didn't follow the rules here. All right, so in other words, it's not up to the CDC, it's up to the Congress to make these rules and for the president to sign off on them as, as the uh, chief administrator, chief executive. So uh, quite frankly, in, in my opinion, this is all about our individual liberty. If people are concerned about their immune system and whether they're compromised or whether they're going to be uh, unduly uh, uh, exposed to coronavirus or other disease, they can get their own N95 and stick it on and wear it. Others who want to just continue on with their lives are confident about their immune system. Uh, they might be wrong, but they could go about their lives without a mask. And if our decisions only affected uh, us personally, there were, that's where the debate would end. But because my not wearing a mask could affect you, uh, I could transmit the virus to you, even if you are wearing a mask yourself, that's where, that's what we call an externality. Uh, that is an example of my behavior, uh, not only imposing costs on me, but also imposing costs on you, which I have no right to do. So the question becomes, how are we going to govern those situations and prevent people from imposing costs on others? And uh, the Congress uh, has given the CDC the power to impose similar sorts of requirements rather than the Congress legislate every single one uh, every single public health measure itself, it is delegated to the CDC the authority to impose many public health measures. And uh, all the court said was, this is actually a very modest ruling, even though it struck down a mandate that a lot of people care about. All the court said was, look, Congress can do that if it wants, but it has to specifically give the CDC the authority to, to do this specific thing that the CDC wants to mandate. Uh, because if it doesn't, then the government isn't playing by the rules anymore, and yeah. and, uh, and we are subverting the rule of law. Well, the, the the other part of this that I object to is the fact that the uh, CDC is not paying attention to our total health situation. There are unintended consequences, health consequences, for wearing a mask, like uh, mask mouth, you know, the decay of our teeth, and, uh, and just a number of other things that people suffer from as a result of wearing a mask. You hear people about people who, you know, what you're doing basically is keeping a way that you eliminate waste from your body close to your mouth uh, with the mask, 
And by the way, masks, especially cloth masks, don't have any impact on keep. In fact, I heard one uh, professional, medical professional, say that wearing a mask is like keep, uh, building a chain link fence in order to keep mosquitoes out. And there is certainly room to question the efficacy of both masks themselves and mask mandates, which are uh, a, a horse of a different color. Right. And uh, the, 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 the issue that you're raising is no different from the effect of, say, lockdowns on other aspects of, uh, uh, of health, like people's access to uh, 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 care for non-infectious disease, care for cancer, screening right. uh, for, uh, for cancer and other types of medical care, if, if we if welded everybody's doors shut so that they couldn't leave their homes, then yes, we would reduce transmission of and morbidity and mortality from COVID-19, but we would see a lot more other health problems because people wouldn't be able to get medical care for those issues. Yeah. And I would and submit so public health managers do, do need to keep those, uh, those unintended consequences uh, uh, public health officials need to keep those unintended consequences of public health measures in mind to ensure that they don't do more harm than good. Yeah, it's I, not always clear that they are trying to strike that balance. Yeah, I would agree with that, Michael. And the question is not whether they would uh, uh, would permit or prohibit the spread of uh, the disease by locking everybody down or whether they would just delay it. I think there's a lot of evidence that suggests it's just delayed based on the feedback and the information we can look at post-lockdown and uh, looking back on the results. Michael Cannon, again, Director of Health Policy Study at the Cato Institute. Cato.org is the website, C-A-T-O.org. Michael, always appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Always great to be here. Thanks, Bob. Thank you, Michael. All right, coming up, we're going to visit with Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. We're going to do that and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Here on the Bob Hartman Broadcasting Network. Do you suffer from joint pain in your shoulders, hips, or knees? I was suffering from debilitating pain in my knees. On a referral, I saw Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine. He successfully treated my symptoms and pain for several months. Finally, having exhausted all alternatives for pain management, Dr. Markovich and I agreed that surgery was my best alternative. Dr. Markovich replaced both of my knees in 2006, and I now have full range of motion in both knees, and I have no pain. I now play golf and exercise free of debilitating pain in my knees. Don't suffer needlessly with joint pain. Call orthopedic surgeon Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine at 482-5399. That's 482-5399. He did a great job for me, and he'll help you too. School Choice is a growing movement, one that is already lifting thousands of kids across America and is now supported by three out of four voters. The Optima Foundation, a 501c3 nonprofit, was founded to support the establishment and expansion of superior schools of choice. Optima's goal is the successful launch of Hillsdale College, classical academies, and other schools of excellence serving kindergarten through 12th grade. The mission is to train the minds and improve the hearts of young people through content-rich classical education in the liberal arts and sciences with instruction in the principles of moral character and civic virtue. A terrific product of the process, Naples Classical Academy opened this fall in a classical virtual school. Optima Classical Academy will open in 2022. Find out more by visiting OptimaEd.org. Help children in Florida optimize their education opportunities. Visit www.OptimaEd.org. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. 
Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Gulf Shore Playhouse, building a 44,000-square-foot performing arts center in downtown Naples. It's going to be absolutely beautiful, but also bringing you professional New York-style theater at its very best. You can get tickets now by visiting the website, golfshoreplayhouse.org. Coming up, we're going to visit with Bill Barnett, former mayor of Naples. Right now, we have with us Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. Seton, thank you so much for joining us. Good morning, Seaton. Tell us about less government. Yeah, we exist to reduce the size, scope, and sphere of influence of government, and very few people do. <laughs> yeah. uh, unbelievable, isn't it? But, uh, it? It doesn't matter how many times they fail. It, it's, it, they have no memory. Well, They move on to the next project. Hey, let us get involved here, too. Well, well no. No. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, so you wrote a great piece, and I think it's just il- illustrative of what's going on here in the uh, in the globe. Globalist response is always far worse than the problems to which globalists respond. Maybe you could tell us about it. Yeah, you know, we've seen this twice now, um, very, very recently. Of course, the, the China virus was a minor flu. I mean, it was a new strain of flu. It was bad. I'm not discounting it. But now we know in retrospect, the government was mass inflating the deaths, not just here, but around the world. Governments were lying and inflating the number of deaths and cases. And, you know, motorcycle deaths were due to COVID. And, you know, they they blurred the line completely between dying with COVID and dying of COVID. Right. Um, and also, and, you know, and they paid money. They paid more money if you listed a case as a COVID case. So all kinds of completely unrelated cases were listed as COVID cases. And of course, the flu itself had a minor impact on life and humanity. The government's response to the flu had massive impact sure. on life and humanity. You know, we're talking about children being locked out of school for two years and now having major developmental problems and, and, and mental damage done to little kids wearing masks for no discernible reason whatsoever. And, you know, shutting down the not the entire economy, shutting down small businesses while allowing big business to continue right. operating, which means they got to further consolidate their market power. Um, all of this is awful for for the for, for the human condition, um, and it's not because of the flu. It's because of the government's response to the flu. It's it's Rahm Emanuel's uh, assertion: never let a crisis go to waste because you can do things you otherwise ordinarily couldn't do. And then we move, you know, when when, when the American when the human hum, humanity finally got sick enough of the government lockdowns and government treatment of, of the China virus, oh, the Russia-Ukraine thing <laughs> pops up, yeah. which has no bearing on reality for 99% of the population of the planet, except unless their governments insist on inserting themselves in, irrelevant, in an irrelevant border skirmish. Yeah. And now, you know, we're, we're, we're all the sanctions and all the damage being done there by our government policies, uh, all of a sudden oil prices go f- up further. Not, you know, they're trying to they're trying to cram a year's worth of bad policy into a month's worth of war. Um, but it's not it's not Putin's price hike; it's Biden's price hikes and all that. But the oil prices have gone up further because we're sanctioning Russia, and you know that's the breadbasket for a lot of the world. So food prices are going up because uh, we're sanctioning everything. And again, it's not the war that's the problem. It's the government. It's our government's response to the war that's the problem. Yeah. yeah it's, it's... And, and the the problem with all this is it's affecting you know it's it's affecting the global energy paradigm, and that's a real problem. We we're not we're focused on the wrong country. Russia's not a problem on the global stage. Um, you know their their economy is one tenth what the EU's economy is, why, you know, they, they've proven now in over a month they can't conquer Europe, they can't even conquer half of Ukraine. Yep. So they're not a problem. We're, we're, we're focusing all our energy in that direction. Meanwhile, 
China continues to grow in power and influence and in, in engaging in, in bad activities, and we're doing nothing about any of that uh, while we dither around with Russia again, like we dithered around with Russia when, we, when the, the government lied and said Trump was colluding with them and, and you know, and then we ignoring Biden's energy deals with them. And, and it's just they've created a global mess yep. that advances their interests but destroys the interests of the population of the planet. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. You know, in fact, I, heard, I read a quote by Robert F. Kennedy, Robert Kennedy Jr., uh, yep. And uh, the quote is something to the effect of, uh, you know, it's going to the the, uh, the major drug big tech is going to make a uh, hundred billion dollars on uh, the distribution of the of the vaccines. But uh, because of the problems that these vaccines are going to create, they're going to make about five hundred billion dollars from for the from the cure for cleaning up the mess. We're talking about insulin and all the types of things that people, the, the problems right now that people are developing as a result of having taken the vaccine. That's right. That's right. It's, it's like, it's, it's the old, you know, the old joke of um, the, the window company going around, going, driving around through neighborhoods, breaking windows. Yeah. <laughs> so, then, so then they'll get hired to, to, to fix the windows. Yeah. Um, yeah. And of course we gave them blanket immunity, the big pharma companies, the, uh, we gave them blanket immunity from any any ramifications of their vaccines. And keep in mind so that, that they get all the upside, yeah. which is cleaning up the mess they made, and none of the downside, which is being punished for the mess they made. Yeah, or and being held liable sued. for it, or being held liable for the mess, and that and yeah, what? They can't get sued. And here they we are, two years sued. into this thing, and we still have an emergency circ- uh, circumstance declared an emergency. It's not an emergency, as you pointed out in the beginning. It's just a, basically a bad flu, and uh, now we're giving this immunity to these uh, big tech, to Pfizer and others. We're uh, f- turning us into a, a giant population of lab rats. Absolutely. Yeah, it's 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 again. This is big business partnering with big government to the detriment of everybody else. Right. Big Pharma made tons of money during the pandemic. Uh, Big Tech made tons of money during the pandemic. Amazon consolidated market power in the retail side of things so utterly during the pandemic because, of course, you couldn't go to your mom-and-pop shop in your neighborhood because it was closed by government. Right. But giant Amazon fulfillment centers with people wall-to-wall Shoulder to shoulder, we're allowed to stay open and deliver and deliver goods. Yeah, amazing stuff. It's it's, it's complete cronyism. It's complete destruction of a functioning economy, and it's a complete attack on personal autonomy and personal freedom. Seton, I love your message. I tell you, this is such an important conversation. I hope our listeners will go to your website, lessgovernment.org, and check out the column about globalists. Uh, response. It's absolutely right on message. Seat Motley, again, the founder and president of Less Government. You can visit lessgovernment.org as well as Less Government on Facebook. Seaton, always appreciate your commentary here in the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, sir, very much. My pleasure indeed. All right, coming up, we're going to visit with Bill Barnett, former mayor of Naples. We're going to do that and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harton Show here on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network. Do you have questions about your retirement? Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, You'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239-325-1041. Office is located at 9015 Stratistel Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The Confident Retirement Approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor.
Blue Provence Restaurant is a favorite dining destination for many Neapolitans, including Linda and myself. Blue Provence, located in a historic building in the heart of Old Naples at Creighton Cove, offers a mix of French bistro cooking with bold, fresh Floridian flavors. Experience award-winning cuisine at Blue Provence and enjoy one of Florida's most extensive, eclectic, and fun wine cellars. Dining your choice of the popular Eden Bar, the intimate courtyard garden, or the beautiful Provencal Caribbean dining room. Enjoy a wonderful and memorable evening in a casual and relaxed atmosphere that includes a taste of Provencal hospitality. Blue Provence is open seven days a week, all year round. Visit BlueProvenceNaples.com for reservations, everyday specials, and coming events. That's BlueProvenceNaples.com or call 261-8239. That's 261-8239. Blue Provence French Restaurant in the heart of Old Naples. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. We're providing you news and commentary rooted in a commitment to individual liberty, personal responsibility, limited government, and the rule of law. We have with us the former mayor of Naples, Bill Barnett. Bill, thank you so much for joining us. Hey, Bob, my pleasure. Uh, On this gorgeous day with uh, cart car trailers rolling north and west and uh you know makes me happy it makes me happy too i mean i'm always happy to see our snowbirds come but it's at this time of year seeing these car carriers lining up taking cars back that indicates that the the traffic is going to get less the restaurants are going to be less crowded the prices are going to go down all kinds of good things oh (laughs) you're dreaming this morning Well, I'm I'm fantasizing maybe a little bit, but hey, I understand the uh, the new city council the uh, city council has chosen their their choice for uh, city manager, and he's going to be on board soon. Yeah, he'll 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 be starting as of May first. Uh, yesterday they they had a meeting yesterday um, that they were going around and around and around on uh, a couple of issues. I, I was getting dizzy listening to them. Um, and the, the mayor was, uh, in total confusion, um, on a couple of the items, but that wasn't anything new and, uh, it'll be interesting to see how he does. Um, I'm, uh, uh, I want to be optimistic. I, I, you know, you need someone that will stand up to her, um, and let him do his job. And that includes the rest of the council as well, but, but more her. Um, and so, uh, we'll, we'll know, uh, we'll know pretty soon. I'm sure he's going to, uh, it's going to take him a little bit to get acclimated, but, uh, it's my understanding that he wants to, that he told each council member that he wants to have a meeting with them one-on-one, but he wants to speak to all his staff first before he does that. So he kind of knows where he stands. I think that's a great idea. Yeah. So that's, uh. That's that, and um, hey, where, where did he come from, Bill? Uh, West Palm, uh, from Palm Beach County. That's right. Yeah, and uh, yeah, he was deputy uh, deputy city manager over there. So um, he uh, uh, he he jumped at this job. the The dollars are pretty good, Bob. I got to tell you. Well, uh, he's getting pretty pretty close to three hundred thousand. Holy moly! Well, he and he's also moved to a fabulous place to live. So, uh, well, no doubt about it. Uh, no doubt about that. So, I think he's he's excited about doing it, and uh, hopefully he hopefully he'll uh, he'll acclimate well. Yeah. Well, so, so yeah, we'll kind of wait and see and see see uh, how the response is. Uh, any movement at all on uh, compensation for the uh, police force? Well, yes, the, the, the fire, um, the fire, fire guys signed yesterday. They, uh, hmm. they did their contract yesterday and agreed to it. The police were, um, I think they were taking a vote, Bob, um, and they have to poll their, their members. So I don't think that that was on yesterday's, uh, um, agenda, but it'll be coming up, uh, probably within the next couple of weeks. So they had a presentation, uh, my understanding. I mean, you don't know whether um, whether they'll take it or not, but I guess they, they kind of um, made some progress, and let's hope they get that done so they can move on with that. Absolutely. Yeah. So. Um, and um, 
you know, oh, we lost another another key employee uh, who had been there a year. The uh, community services director left. Um, the poor guy never had a year in. <laughs> he quit. Huh. You know, you, you don't see you don't see employees of this of this ilk uh, quitting. Usually, they're there for a tenure. That's a pretty safe job, uh, unless you're just right. plain don't perform. So it's it's got to be the work conditions, right? I mean, why would he quit? I I I well, I I just I really don't know the answer to that. I know that um, that well, you know, when his first week there, that was the last week Dana was there, and I I don't. I don't know who was giving him direction or, or anything about him. You know, I never met him, Bob. Huh. I, I never met him. He seemed like when I was watching him give reports and everything that he was, you know, he knew what he was, what he was uh, talking about and everything. But um, I, I don't know. Um, but he's gone. Where's he going? Don't know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, someplace so, else. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, so, uh, and, and it's just, you know, it just keeps going. I don't know. Yeah, that's why I'm hoping the new city manager he'll get, he'll get a grip on who he has for for staff and uh, and uh, get thing, get things rolling. So, Bill, uh, right now the uh, state senate has decided they are going they want to revoke the special what is the is Needy Creek a Reedy Creek uh, uh, special. Uh, uh, area for uh, Disneyland and Disney World, and uh, I, I guess the Senate's yeah. going to vote on that today. Uh, what does that mean? And I mean, to me, it, what it represents is we're going to uh, start collecting taxes from these people, providing the services they've been paying for for themselves. It's probably going to cost them a lot more money. What are your thoughts about all that? Yeah, I, I agree, but I think they they were definitely annoyed at this whole um, woke thing and. Yeah. Uh, uh, who's, who uh, is it? DeSantis? Yeah, it's DeSantis. That's, that's, um, the governor is, is pretty upset with them from the way I understand it. You get that too? Oh yeah. He's not, he's not upset. He's just not mad. He's just going to fix it. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. To his liking. Absolutely. So, I mean, he, I guess the message is, you know, uh, if you want to come to Florida and take advantage of all the tax breaks, you're welcome. But hey, don't tread on our. Don't try and change our politics here. We're to you know go someplace else if you want to pull this nonsense. Right, right, yeah, exactly, exactly, exactly. So that that'll be interesting. I'm, uh, uh, you know, and looking at at uh, Ukraine daily is just uh, pain, is just so painful. Yeah, you know, you know? It, it seems to me Ukraine is certainly you got to applaud the effort they've had in in terms of holding off the Russians, and uh, it seems to me there's kind of a stalemate, or even you could claim under the circumstances that uh, the Ukrainians have uh, won at this point. But it seems to me the motivation should be in order to save the Ukrainian people, in order to bring back the refugees and. Uh, <laughs> kind of save the property why not sit down at the table and negotiate some sort of a settlement get this thing over with because he won't you know i mean uh they the russians don't want to hear anything about that settlement <laughs> they agree look they're having trouble as you saw yesterday getting a passageway for people to get out for for safe reasons uh children and uh uh, uh those that are um those that are ailing and everything else and they they closed that off. Yeah. And uh, so, you know, it's it's just to, to me watching it just, you know, as a as a normal citizen, you know, watching something that's going on in another country. It, it, to me, it's just it's so sad because they don't seem to be I mean, they're, the people are, you know, God bless them. They are so strong and they are fighting for everything they have. But the question is, is it enough? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and that's the issue. We're giving a lot of aid, and so are other countries. Um, but can they get the weapons soon enough and fast enough to be able to hold off anymore? Yeah. Uh, Putin, I mean, he, he just, he's not going to quit. And um, I think the answer would have been, Bob, um, and I can understand not doing it, believe me, is uh, giving them planes or, or, you know, from other countries, too, so that yeah. they would have, a um, you know, be able to use them from the air. But... Um, I can understand we don't want to start a uh, uh, another world war with Russia. Yeah. It should have never so. started in the first place, in my mind. If we'd sat down and we had a talk with Putin, I guess if Trump had a talk with Putin, I think this thing, we would have never taken the step in the first place. So Yeah, I, I kind of agree to that. I do. Yeah. You know, every day uh, listening to Biden last night on uh, 
I don't know what he was saying. Well, that was just it. I, I didn't understand what he was saying. And they're just, they're just, <laughs> I mean, you have to smile. And then, then yeah. he's just going to run again in 2024. Yeah, he's got a new advisor now. It's the Easter Bunny. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Bill Barnett, again, former mayor of Naples. Always appreciate your commentary here on the show. Hey, Bob, thank have you. a good one, and I'll speak to you. Look forward to it. Thank you, Bill. Well, that's a wrap here on today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. I certainly had fun. I hope you'll join us tomorrow. we got some great guests lined up, including William Yateman, Research Fellow at the Cato Institute. Nathan Lewis uh, wrote, along with uh, Steve Forbes and others, a, a book about inflation. We'll talk to him about his new book. Ambassador Francis Rooney, former ambassador to the Vatican, will be with us as well as, and former congressman here in our area. And Larry Bell, uh, endowed professor at the University of Houston. I hope you make it a great day on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste. Listening to the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. For more information and audio files of previous shows, visit www.bobharden.com. <laughs> <laughs>